Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on surviving in the music industry. My name is Joe Sage, I'm a producer and mix engineer at Nevis Audio and I am joined by... Me! Sorry, uh, my name is Phil, Phil Salter, and I'm a mixing engineer, mixing mastering engineer. Vortis Sound Studios, that's the proper name. Anyway, how are you Joe? You're slick as ever mate. I know, I know. How are you Dim? I'm doing good in a change to what has been uh, my previous answer for the last few weeks. I went outdoors for a bit. Oh, what was it like? Uh, wet. <laughs> <laughs> so very wet. Because, of course, it's it's British summer and I got drenched. Mm. Nearest time at every time I did. Well, that's um, But I enjoyed joyous. a very soggy ice cream because I was Ooh. determined to get one. But anyway, that's, that's besides that is- the point. How are you, mate? That is determination. I'm doing um, really well, actually. Yeah. Life um, drags on in lockdown. Nothing's changed here to me. Um, you know, ca- carrying on, carrying on, staying indoors a lot more this week because it's has been very wet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what are we going to talk about today, mate? Today, we are carrying on with our series, which is how to be a good I think that's probably what it's called, isn't it? I don't know. Um, this week uh, is how to be a good studio vocalist, how to sing your heart out in the studio. Oh, yeah. So I think without uh, any further introduction, um, I think we should just kind of crack on with the first point. Yeah. We've said it in the drummer. We've said it about bassists. We've said it about guitarists. And I'm going to say it again about vocalists is do some pre-production. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Surprising news. So what would a pre-production for a, a singer look like, as opposed to like a guitarist? So I think with a singer, it's got to be primarily vocal melody, lyrics, and I would stretch that even to vocal production and arrangement as well. Hmm. So for me, that would be nailing the melody uh, nailing vocal harmonies and how many you want, experimenting with it. It seems to be a common theme of, you know, the better prepared you are for the studio, the better experience and re- mm-hmm. end result you'll get out of it. So having those vocal harmonies nailed um, is a damn side more preferable to kind of, you know, <laughs> the, the worst nightmare of having the chorus on loop and you go <laughs> and trying to find the harmony in front of all your bandmates and a producer whilst uh, the clock is ticking. If nothing else, you could admit that's kind of embarrassing to like wail around the frequencies to find to find the right uh, harmony line. So yeah, I think Joe's right. Knowing your parts, so your essentially your main vocal line is the thing you really want to focus on. Um, but then also having harmonies in mind, like potential harmonies that you could do. Um, and it's, I'd say it's almost better to kind of go crazy and find loads and then not have to use them all rather than desperately search for them in the studio in the dark. Um, because outside the studio, you've got time to do that and it's not going to cost you any money to do that. So bonus. Yeah. And I think as well, there's a big element of communication with your producer, So I've been doing a lot of pre-production whilst I've been in lockdown, talking with all the bands that I'm going to be working with in the autumn once lockdown's over. And they're sending me vocal harmonies. We're revising them now. We're kind of having a communication back and forth. 
and yet use this time wisely and it goes you know beyond lockdown if you're heading into the studio in three to four months time speak to your producer and send them over demos ask them what they think of these harmonies and that harmonies obviously it depends on who you're working with but i think this is a really valuable use of time yeah i think another really important point of pre-production and this is going to be a very fundamental thing that you do with your music is make sure that the songs are written in the key that suits your voice or the voice oh. of the singer in the band yes, um, especially i think this is doubly so if you're say a new band or if you're a, you know it's the first ep or whatever that you're doing with a new singer in the band because um say the guitarist has written the song and they've gone well it sounds really cool like this and they're thinking about it the guitarist is often thinking about it from the point of view of a fretboard from what they can play and what feels comfortable and what they're used to playing but that doesn't necessarily fit with the vocal range of the singer because you want to tailor the song to your singer not the other way around because that's going to get you a better piece of music yeah and i think the same also goes in terms of being prepared and looking ahead in your lyrics as well yes so we've talked about you know kick patterns and certain guitar parts they might clash in the in the studio and you didn't really notice it in the rehearsal room same goes for lyrics like i've played in bands and even in the best rehearsal rooms i can't hear half of what the vocalist is saying i might hear the pitch but i can't necessarily hear the lyrics you want to avoid a situation where someone's saying are they saying them words <laughs> Like, we never, that's awful. Or, you know, we, we didn't approve of that. So getting it nailed down, not only in a recording in terms of a demo, but I also think as well writing it down and sending it mm. off to your other bandmates and your producer to not necessarily sign off, but just so everyone is, pardon the pun, on the same page. <laughs> I mean, definitely, definitely. You want You want the band and the producer to be aware of what the lyrical content is i mean the the kind of double benefit for a producer is as the producer in the studio is taking the vocalist through the song and working through bits um with the producer giving them a lyric sheet will help them work through the song and go oh can you sing this line again or you know whatever and it's just almost like a roadmap to getting your way through the song in the studio entirely and i would say as well when you go to the studio print off as many physical copies as you can i would say print off maybe 10 to 15 copies of each song purely because and this goes back to you know cue old timey music is when i was a wee nipper and an assistant is on these big sessions you would have everyone in the control room all looking at a lyric sheet because the assistant who might be operating Pro Tools or even on occasion when I was operating tape would need to know what the lyrics are so that everyone can refer and go, well, we need to go from verse one or can we go from this line, this line, this line. The producer would need to know it so they can, mm. uh, you know, make notes. That's often what I do when I'm working with a band is instead of kind of editing as we go and kind of disrupting the flow, I'll say just let the vocalist do three or four passes and as they're doing it i'd be making notes in the margins kind of going oh yeah okay take three was great for this one take four was great for that maybe we'll go back at the end and grab another take of this one so having as many copies of the lyric sheets i think is a really really useful thing it's a beneficial thing 
Um, I think another thing to think about before you're in the studio as well, and I'd say this is especially true for kind of rock and metal music. Joe, I don't know about necessarily what the music you work in. Um, Double tracking vocals in rock and metal is like the thing. Sort of everyone does it. So being able to um, double track your vocals tightly is really key. And a really, really, really simple way of practicing this kind of thing before you go into the studio is record your vocals, say, into your phone, and then try singing along as tightly as you can. Now, I'd say this is not as important as making sure that the key is right and making sure you've worked out your harmonies and things, but it's a really useful skill to learn, especially in rock and metal, but I think other genres too, as a vocalist. I'd agree with that wholeheartedly, even more so in pop stuff you're looking at potential i've i've done triple tracks on lead vocals and then we might do vocal stacks for choruses that could have say maybe you know anything between 8 to 15 vocal harmonies on some cases so yeah i'd completely echo what phil said i don't think it's just a rock and metal thing i think that's just a thing you've got to be able to do across the board i wouldn't know about pop music don't ask me (laughs) it's an alien world yeah and and similar to what phil said there as well is having that preparedness avoids the situation where you're writing lyrics in the studio yes which i've seen done and has not gone down universally well with anyone involved in the project whether that be the uh bandmates or the engineer the only person who pretty much does well out of it is the studio owner because you need to book more time yeah so it's not it's not a wise idea to kind of be writing your lyrics and go ah we'll wing it ah we'll do we'll do what we want mostly because you can get into a an issue when you start getting into comping takes if you're kind of somewhat improving lines and kind of saying different things at different times you don't want to kind of look back and go, oh, hang on, I've said I've said the wrong thing there. Maybe I'm doing different things in different takes and you might ruin that one magic take that could be the difference between, you know, making or breaking your song. Yeah. So anything you can do to avoid that is, uh, yeah, magic. <laughs> I mean, I think people may have read, um, like when David Bowie went into the studio, who's very, very famous for writing lyrics all at the last minute, And I would say, well, David Bowie was doing this sort of in the 70s when there was just more money and he had the backing of a record label. So he could spend lots of time in the studio making sure he had the right vocals. Most people listening to this, I imagine, not necessarily a guarantee, have a limited budget for the studio. So need to go in as prepared and ready as possible. So having these things sorted before you go in is a great idea. Also, it was David Bowie. Like, he's arguably one of the greatest songwriters of a generation or even century. Like, yeah, it, it's, you know, comparisons about Ronaldo and Sunday League football. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to do down the people listening to this podcast. No, but I think, I think yeah, Phil's point still stands and partially so mine as well of don't going going oh well david bowie wrote all his lyrics last minute therefore i have the ability to write all my lyrics last minute because he was david bowie 
<laughs> if you can prove me wrong in many years, great. Probability is that you're not David Bowie. And um, changing your name by Depot doesn't count. No. As evidence. Not at all. <laughs> um, but anyway, off that topic. Um, I just want to point out that David Bowie is by far my favourite artist of all time. So it annoys me when people say that they can echo him quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so like, talking about uh preparing for the studio and before you actually get in there a massive one for me is figuring out a warm-up routine yes and if you're a band or a singer you should have a really solid warm-up routine for all your live shows anyway and a trend that i see for maybe some new bands who don't have warm-up routines for their live shows is they will kind of maybe trial one or two warm-up routines maybe 48 hours before the studio and see if that works i don't think that's a great approach i mean it's better than nothing but if you ask me similar to how we talked about being prepared and not leaving things to last minute especially during lockdown this is a really good Mm. time to experiment and see what works for you pick a routine that you find brings the best performance out of you nail it and go into the studio and the results will be yeah exponential they'll be magical yeah you really do need a vocal warm-up routine i would say if you are lemmy from motorhead you might get away with it if you smoke like 20 cigarettes a day and you really (laughs) really want that voice but that's very much the exception and not the rule i would say for everyone make sure you have a vocal warm-up routine that's yeah i feel like that should, we should highlight that it's like bowie and lemmy are exceptions to a rule <laughs> and should not be seen as the standard yeah because it's not gonna work for 99.9 percent of people so please please just find the right warm routine i think on a a similar sort of note um is as a singer this is like the most least rock and roll thing i could say to you you've got to look after yourself. <laughs> yeah. You've got to look after your body. Um, you've got to look after um, just your, your vocal cords and everything about your health. Because unlike the guitarist, you are your instrument. Um, I don't want to get too philosophical about it. So you need to look after yourself. Um, and that involves boring things like getting enough sleep, making sure you don't drink too much before you enter the studio, and things like that. You just need to look after yourself. Also, I'm I'm hoping you won't mind me saying this, but one of the artists who we've played on the podcast before, Urban Architects, before I worked with them, I was informed on the way to the studio that the singer had gone to Everton versus Wolves two days before the session and had chanted his heart out for 90 minutes. Um, so it's safe to say that we put him on voice rest until he absolutely 100% <laughs> had to sing and we just about got away with it. He didn't say a but thing. But yeah, it's, that's not happening again. He's, he's become very aware that that was not a wise idea. Um, mm. And I think even as well, if you, if you really want to delve into that kind of thing, diet. Yeah. And there are loads of things that you can cut out, whether that be dairy. And as Phil was mentioning as well, there's loads of things you can look into in terms of voice rest. I mean, I think that all ties into vocal warm-ups as well. All these things can make a massive difference. And it's all about finding what works best for you. And that's why I suggest 
looking into these things now rather than 48 hours before you mm. head into the studio find yourself drinks that work for you some people work you know really well if they've got manuka honey and those kind of things some people f- prefer lemon some people don't like how their voice sounds when they've got those types of drinks so yeah figure those out now mm. rather than in the studio and looking back and going oh damn it i wish i'd done that yeah. earlier because when you've recorded your voice and it's all said and done that is there forever <laughs> but if you're at home experimenting with the right drinks and things and that's that's once and it's done you you can work out before you're spending the money and laying something down um what works for you mm-hmm. so heading into the studio once you're actually in there my main point that i would tell all vocalists is don't suffer in silence i think recording vocals i would say is probably the most intimidating part it's the part where you know you bear your artistic soul Mm. and if you've never done that before it can be quite an intimidating experience if you've got you know a big studio and a producer and an engineer and an assistant and the rest of your bandmates it might be a song that you've just been singing to yourself in your bedroom for years it can be very very daunting so what i would say is if something doesn't feel right or you don't feel comfortable say it out loud most obvious thing I can think of is if you feel like you're being watched, you can ask people to leave. Mm. Like on my sessions, I can't speak for Phil or anyone else, is if, you know, the rest of the band are pressed up against the glass like you're an exhibit at a zoo and you turn around and go, I'm not really okay with this, can they go? Yeah, 100%. They can go sometimes if, again, similar to what I was saying before, if there's me, an engineer, and an assistant, if they feel that there's too many people watching them, it can just be me and the the singer. If they don't like the fact there's a glass partition, they can come and we can both work on headphones in the same space. If they don't like working from headphones, we can use fold-back monitors and they can do it, you know, the Bono style way, didn't wear (laughs) headphones. The worst thing you can do is suffer in silence and then after the fact go, oh yeah, I didn't give my best vocal performance because yeah. I, I, was, I wasn't feeling great. A hundred percent. I think unlike a lot of instruments, vocals can be recorded in so many different ways and so many different kind of practical methods for hearing yourself and um kind of ambience of the room and you know all sorts of things and there's so many things you can do any producer worth their salt will make sure the singer has um, the studio the way it needs to be for them to give a good performance and they will find out what that looks like for the singer yeah it can, it can be just a case of trial and error mm. and on a similar thing as well is that Again, when we talk about producers and the communication, sometimes I, f- I tend to find this can be easier if it's just me and the vocalist, is don't take, and I say constructive criticism, it's not really constructive criticism, but just say maybe pointers about vocal performance too personally. I think, again, because vocals are very personal and it feels like you're bearing your artistic soul, if you're not used to recording, it can be a bit odd for someone mm. to tell you, like, maybe don't try try this or maybe, you know, try this technique or maybe try altering the lyrics. But yeah, have, that, have the faith in the producer. That's what you're essentially paying them for. 
they've been through this process before. They want what's best for you. That's that's ultimately the end goal. So I would have faith in them. And you know what? If you do something that you don't think is great, you've tried it and it hasn't worked, then guess what? Communicate that back to the producer. Don't <laughs> suffer in silence. If they say, I want you to try it that way. And you go, I've tried it and... I didn't really like it, but I, I just kept on doing it. And then we did it for 11 tracks on the album. And now it's the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. That That's a pointless venture. Yeah. Turn around and go, hey, I'm not really sure that's working. Can I try going back the other way? And maybe we can compare and contrast. It's all about communication. 100%. Um, producers have loads of tricks and ideas up their sleeve to help singers get the best vocal takes um, because there's all sorts of things you can do. I've heard loads of things. Um, a, a really simple thing I've heard is that I've heard a producer ask a singer to stand on one leg um, because they were getting so nervous that they couldn't really think about singing. But if they're trying to balance, then all you can think about is that and singing. <laughs> and it's um, and another one um, I heard that was that was just amazing um, is Sylvia Massey. If you know your producer, she's a bit sort of mad, but in a good way. Um, and I think it was the singer of Tool as well. Um, he wasn't quite getting the right take. And then Sylvia just kind of said, if you don't get the right, <laughs> this may not be the most encouraging thing to say, if you don't get it right in the next take, we're going to gaffer tape you to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't get it because he was so distracted. So the gaffer taped him to the wall. And then I believe they put, they mic'd him up on the wall and he got the right take. <laughs> So, I mean, it doesn't have to be that extreme, but producers do have ideas and ways and means of helping singers. Yeah, and like we said before, and similar to, you know, Sylvia Massey and all these other variants, is that ultimately they're there to get the best possible product. Mm. They wouldn't be asking you to try these techniques if they didn't think you could do it. They're not there to embarrass you. They're not there to belittle you. They're there to help you reach your potential. Yeah. 100%. Um, a slightly different one, and this may be contentious, so Joe, I don't know what you're going to think about this one, Go on. is when you are recording vocals, try not to ask for effects like reverb to be on your voice because it can be a helpful thing to a singer to have a bit of ambience to hear, you know, what it might sound in the mix and things like that. But... My counterpoint is that you won't hear all the nuances of your voice and what you're actually doing. And it may, reverb and things like that may serve to cover up some of the things that need addressing when you're recording. That's a tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say as a general thing, yeah, I would avoid reverb certainly. Mm. If I'm going to do one, it's probably going to be delay. I feel like reverb affects, affects pitch quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it's different maybe if you're trying to help them portray a certain vibe. Like if it's got to be a section that, you know, is a clear, huge delay sound mm. and it needs to get them into that headspace and the delay is almost part of the rhythm or the, or the effect um, and the melody. It's all kind of, incorporated into one then yeah i think it's you've got to do that it's like asking the edge to record his guitar parts without delay <laughs> you've got to I think, have, have it all there but as a general rule i kind of have to agree yeah 
it's just it as a singer you can be really used to the way you may rehearse in a rehearsal room or do it live where there can be reverb on your voice and when you're doing vocals live it is a different set of rules to when you're doing in the studio the studio does require you to be more um, precise is the word i'm going to use um, which reverb can distract you from being yeah I, that's a really I, I, yeah as a general <laughs> rule yes but it's a case-by-case -case basis for me just purely because with some indie stuff it's not necessarily the melody that is important. It's more the feel. So whatever can kind of get them into the right feel, anything that can do that, similar to how you might record them in different spaces or uh, different ways, whether that be not with headphones, in the same room or whatever, to try and get the right vibe. I, I think I see effects in the same way. But in general, I kind of have to agree as a starting point. Don't get me wrong, Joe. I do, I do take and understand your point, and there are times when you need these things. <laughs> yeah, and I think that also quite nicely leans into headphone mixes, and again, that ties into talking about not suffering in silence. Headphone mixes can be quite alien if you're not used to them, so whether that be the engineers on the headphone mix for you or the studio's got one of those boxes where you can make your own headphone mix if you don't know what you're doing or the headphone mix isn't right just say something mm. like no one is going to be angry at you for that no one's expecting you to go into the studio even if you're a seasoned pro no one's expecting you to know all things about headphone mixes and how to get that because then why are you paying anyone else to help you with <laughs> recording so yeah don't suffer in silence when it comes to headphone yeah. mixes and stuff like that I think the one rule of thumb I would always say about headphone mixes is don't make them too loud. Oh, God, no. It can be tempting to get really excited about the process and go, oh, you know, this is going to sound really cool if I just turn the volume right up and, and really pound my eardrums with, with volume. But especially when doing vocals, that's not really going to help you, I don't think. You're going to hate me, but I think it's case by case as well. <laughs> as a general rule, even more so... <laughs> I agree with you, but there have been times where I've had done tracks where I need the vocalist to be angry and snarling and it's got to be really punky. So I've not been in the room because I know better, <laughs> but I will crank studio speakers, you know, like the bigs yeah. on a wall, and then they will just have a handheld mic and absolutely go for it doing their vocal take from that and the results are fantastic but again case by case basis majority of the time totally agree with what phil's saying <laughs> well there we are that's fine we we can disagree it's okay <laughs> it's my contrarian episode <laughs> is, that what, is that what we should title it the contrarian episode in brackets <laughs> so to recap just over what we've said on this episode is i think the key points here are prepare mm -hmm. so whether that be in terms of pre-production lyrics and the other massive thing is communication so that again leans into preparing so whether that be making sure you're physically prepared or uh you know your diet having lyric sheets uh warm-ups and communication so important 
whether that be with your bandmates before the studio, with your engineer, your producer, the assistant, everyone involved. Communication is, yeah, super important as it is with drummers, guitarists, bassists, everything. Communication, I feel, is by far the overriding theme across all of this. Um, So yeah, and also if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd massively appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other people uh, find the podcast and we get to help more people and that's ultimately what this podcast is for share the love Um, so with that i'm gonna hand over to phil for this week's featured artist so this week we have scruffy bear which is a great band name i think so they're from uh, manchester and they're a four-piece band and they've got a kind of I don't know what you'd say, Joe, like an old school sound. That's kind of how I'd describe it. Yeah. If you want to follow this band on social media, then you can go down to the show notes and you'll find a link in there, which is where you can also leave us a review. Yes, please. Um, So this is their song, I'm Doing Better. And with that, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. <laughs>